Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online, so you can access it from anywhere in the world. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whenever it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist with no additional cost. With BetterHelp, you, got, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% of your first month at betterhelp.com slash how to survive society. That's better com slash how to survive society. Hello, survivors. This is your girl, Abby Ayola Williams, and you're now listening to How to Survive Society. How to Survive Society is a weekly podcast that features survivors. These are people that have been through the ringers in life. They've been through hell and back, but they choose to stay positive. They choose to win. They choose to thrive and they choose to survive. So let's get right into it. Hello, survivors. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of How to Survive Society. Today, I have a very, very special guest. His name is Joey Legovin. I had to ask how to pronounce the last name because, you know, I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing it right. So right. he's a real estate investor, is into fitness, is a father. He owns four businesses and a mindset and life transformation coach. And yep. he specializes in depression, recovery, body transformation, and goal fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And you're also a co-author. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do a little bit of everything for sure. Yeah. Of course. That, that's how you got to be nowadays, man. Yeah. You can't just be one thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So, so, Joey, like, tell us where you grew up, um, how you grew up, and, and then we go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I grew up in the States, uh, kind of middle class, typical uh, uh, existence for for most people growing up in the States, I would assume. Um, and I guess, you know, for me, what kind of inspired me on the path I'm on is, you know, growing up around different people and seeing uh, the struggles of of the people in, in my generation specifically uh, with mental health and uh, with with physical health as well. Um, I think it's it's just this underlying current that is really um, it, it it's really getting bigger and bigger as you go on because you see these these high name people who have taken their own lives or we see more and more overdoses and then we see the the physical um, the issues with the physical fitness where people are getting more and more metabolic syndrome and stuff like that so. In the states and and in Western culture right now, I think this is our biggest, uh, basically our biggest pandemic right now is this mental health thing. So for me, that's why I focus on that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm obviously into real estate investing and other business creation and stuff, but this is really where my heart is at. 
Um, and I definitely feel that the physical fitness and emotional fitness all tie in together as one unit. And so that's basically what I try to teach. That's perfect. So why do you think mental health is such a big um, pandemic right now? Because, you know, I'll, like sometimes I watch Instagram videos and there's this, there are these kids from like Tanzania, right? They're dancers. And they always look so happy, you know, with nothing. Like they, mm-hmm. they come from the small village. They, you know, mm-hmm. like they're living their best life, dancing, smiling, happy and everything. And then us here in the West, we have everything really, you know, we have uh, constant light, running water, we have shelter, you know, most of us, you know, like those things are like coming here, you know, right. but then we're not happy. So like, what's the disconnect with that? That's a, that's a very good question. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Right. And especially if you've come from a, a third world or second world country, you're going to see mm-hmm. that where you see just people, um, you know, exuberant about life, even though they don't have a lot of things. And then you mm-hmm. see people with a lot of things and you think, you know, they're, they're really struggling with mental health. I think a lot of that comes down to our ability to tune into maybe our own personal purpose in life. And mm. when we are overstimulated all the time, um, cause right now we can get cheap and easy entertainment, cheap and easy food, uh, cheap and easy relationships even, right? Like I can go on a mm-hmm. dating app and, and meet a hundred girls tomorrow. Right. If, if we have this, this kind of really quick society where we're constantly stimulated, we never take a break to really tune into our own uh, our own purpose, and a lot of times that takes us stepping away from everything, getting our senses uh, unstimulated for a little bit, just to kind of check in with what our soul's purpose is. And I think soul alignment, lining up with your own soul's purpose, that usually happens when you aren't distracted, right? And so, mm-hmm. if we live in a society that is constantly distracted by our um, you know, by our constant simulation, I think that keeps us away from our soul development. Also, what's interesting about our society is we have become so comfortable in this society that we've literally made ourselves uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? So the constant comfort of, you know, every time I'm slightly hungry, I get fed. Every time I am slightly bored, I get entertained. This type of comfort mentality doesn't leave a lot of room for personal growth. And personal growth takes place in a dis- an, an uncomfortable state, right? Um, you know, growth is always uncomfortable because we're doing something new, but growth is required for happiness. Uh, I love the quote that says, you know, progress is happiness. And in my coaching program, I meet people who are, you know, 400 pounds, right? Or, or they're really struggling with all these different things. But as soon as we get them on a program, they feel happy. And even though they are still 400 pounds, nothing's really changed physically for them. They feel like they're progressing towards a goal. And that is what is required in life for us to feel happy is progress. So if we feel like we are progressing towards something, whether it's a business, whether it's fitness, whether it's our mental health, if we are taking steps to actually do that, we're going to be happy. And so a lot of people haven't really, they're, they're kind of just sitting, going through the motions in a extremely comfortable state, but not a very happy state. And so that's kind of what I see from, from the outside looking in. What are, what are your thoughts on that coming from that environment yourself? Yeah, I I feel like um, you're right. When things are too easy for human beings, they, they lose their purpose. They lose why they're here. They lose Mm -hmm. passion, you know, 
because yeah. you're right everything is easy to access you can <laughs> access relationship so quick yeah. mm-hmm. um you can access entertainment food you know Yep. So yes, you're right about that. It's the access to everything. Mm-hmm. The society is getting lazier and lazier and no one wants to do anything anymore, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an interesting <laughs> dynamic for sure. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you said here that you lost your sister um yes. to a depression, mm-hmm. drug induced suicide. Can you talk yeah. more about that? Absolutely. And that, you know, for me, that was a really big eye opener. So this happened about a decade ago. And what I saw with her and her life was um, I saw her in really good mental states and I saw her in very bad mental states. And what was cool from my perspective is I could see the habits she was doing that would put her in a good mental state. And I could see the habits that she was doing that would put her in a bad mental state. And so a lot of times when we talk about mental illness or mental you know problems it's just this abstract thing that kind of seems very ethereal like we don't really have any answers and in reality we do know things that will benefit our mental health we do know if we have certain habits and rituals we do on a daily basis we're going to feel better mentally and so we all see that in the physical transformations right like when people go from 300 pounds to 150 pounds we can see that physically in their bodies, right? They go from uh, 30% body fat to 10% body fat or something like that. But Mm -hmm. we don't realize that people can actually do that mentally. And it's through the same process, right? Just like you have to wake up, you have to go do your cardio, you have to go eat right. You have to, um, you know, be motivated day after day. You have to kind of listen to things that'll help you in the physical world. We also have to do the same thing in the mental world. So number one, you know, listening to podcasts like this that are actually benefiting yourself, that's actually doing like a bicep curl for your brain or for your mental health, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, getting around positive people, that's another great thing you can do. Being grateful, having a grateful routine. For me, I, I wake up and I think of three things I'm grateful for every day. It's like a non-negotiable for me. And that puts mm-hmm. me in a positive mindset. Um, I try to listen to something positive about 30 minutes a day, what, you know, some sort of self-help thing. And so what I'm doing is I'm actually training my brain to think positively. And there are people who are going to struggle worse than others with mental health. You know, sometimes they have genetic predispositions and mm-hmm. same thing with physical fitness. There are people who are going to struggle tremendously with their body. They've got thyroid problems or they've got all these different issues. But that doesn't mean you can't do habits that will improve that state, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are people with incredible physical genetics that look terrible. And there are Mm -hmm. people with terrible physical genetics that look amazing. And why? Mm -hmm. Because their habits, because of what they do on a daily basis. Same thing with mental health. And sometimes people write off their mental health as just, oh, it's just a genetic thing. I can't do anything about it. And it's like, yeah, you may be predisposed. But by doing certain habits and having a disciplined life where you are doing mental rituals every single day that are improving your mental state, you can truly change your mindset. And that's that's like the message I feel like I could get out more than anything because I only mm-hmm. had one sister um, and it was just me and her and we, you know, shared genetics, right? And personally, yeah. I have a very fulfilled, a very peaceful life uh, with a lot of joy. And of course, she went down a complete opposite path. And so for us to have similar genetics and yet take completely different roads upon our lives, I think Mm -hmm. it should give hope to people that think maybe they're genetically doomed to a mental illness the rest of their life, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So it's 
like you said, it's all about how you perceive life and your habits, what you do to help mm-hmm. yourself. So it doesn't matter if if genetics or if it's your environment, whatever. Like mm-hmm. you have to make that choice and say, you know what? I want to make myself better. I want to do this for my mental health. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're so right about that. Mm-hmm. So um I guess that's how you can help yourself with depression, really. Just making up my, your mind about what you can do to um, get your mental health stronger. Like listening to positive things, being around positive people, health, wellness, eating good food. Like sometimes I feel like the mental health industry doesn't really um, put um, the, 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 um, like, eating um, nutritionist nutrition dense food to mental health like they don't put nutrition and mental health yeah. together like right. for me i feel like it's it's like it goes hand in hand like what awesome. you put in your body does affect your mood right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i feel like if you're in the mental health space like nutrition should be like one of the first things that people that you yeah. tell your clients to you know change and do better oh, and because it does it does affect that but Not a lot of people make that connection, but (laughs) yeah, no, it's huge. I mean, it's extremely paramount and they've done studies, you know, there was a Harvard study that was done a few years ago and I won't be able to quote it exactly, but something to the extent of just changing people from the standard American diet, which Mm -hmm. is funny because the acronym for that is SAD, which is all (laughs) processed foods and everything, but changing them from that to a more uh, organic whole, whole mindset uh, the depression went down something like 30 or 40%. And again, I can't quote exactly, but it was significant. Mm-hmm. It was extremely significant. Uh, we also know about fish oil. Fish oil is a great, um, you know, health, healthy thing for the brain. And mm-hmm. so again, like when one of the, I guess, if you call it a trigger for me is like, when we do see a mental health crisis, like for example, DJ Twitch, when he passed away, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of outcry of mental health matters and stuff like that. And I love that. I love that people are, are thinking of that, but in the back of my mind, I'm always like, okay, that's great. That mental health matters, but what do we do to actually improve our mental health? And I feel like there's a lot of just kind of this abstract nonchalant, like, Oh, I'll just put a bumper sticker on my car. Mental health matters. And that's going to improve things when we know realistically through studies that there are significant things we can do to improve our mental health. Number one being diet, like you just said, um, that can drastically change people's mental health, uh, supplement intake, you know, taking the right supplements, taking things that actually, uh, will benefit your brain. Goal Mm -hmm. setting is another one. I mean, people who have extremely creative minds, they tend to struggle with anxiety at a higher level than people who don't have creative minds. And why is that? Because when we're creating a cognition of our future situation, uh, that was one thing my sister was very good at. She would project into the future this negative situation that she thought was going to happen. Of course, it never happened. And we all we all do that, right? We worry about 90% of things that never take place. But imagine if you've got this killer imagination, the things you're going to project into the future are going to be so vivid so detailed compared to somebody who does not have a vivid imagination. And that's personally why I think people with creative minds end up struggling more with mental health. But on the other end of the spectrum, if they're able to channel that creativity, they become some of the most powerful creators on this earth. They end up doing the most amazing things. So one of the practices I actually have people do when they're really struggling with depression and anxiety 
is write down their goals for the future. You know, Mm -hmm. go through all the different areas. And what does that do? It gets their minds thinking on something positive. It gets their mind thinking on a positive outcome because our minds aren't just going to sit still. It's very hard for us to just be completely silent. You know, even Mm -hmm. when we go to sleep, we're dreaming. Mm -hmm. But if we can occupy our mind with a positive future, something we're trying to create in the future, we won't have time to sit there and dwell on all the possible wrong things that could happen in the future, you know? So again, I think it comes down to, like you said, with diet, it's figuring out these things that work and then doing them. And there should be like, everybody should have a list of 10 things to do for their mental health that are the most statistically proven things to do. And even if you do three of those things, your mental health is going to be in a way better spot than if you weren't doing them. That is true. It's so true. You have to take action <laughs> absolutely <laughs> really and truly like it's about taking yeah. action so yeah. you help um inmates in the jail like yeah. what do you what do you do for them like and yeah. how did you get involved with that yeah so I, when i was younger i um i connected with a church group who actually would go into the jails and talk to the men and and for me, I'm very open spiritually. I'm not a um, dogmatic person, but I definitely believe in like a higher power or whatever. So what I would do is I'd go into the jails and I'd meet with murderers, rapists, I mean, the the worst of the worst. And we would talk um, to them and just try to connect them to a higher purpose, connect them to their higher self um, and give them a different vision of themselves. You know, one thing I thought was fascinating was <clears throat> a lot of times we view inmates and prisoners as being these sociopathic uh, people who just have no feeling, they don't care about anybody. They're very, you know, they're full of hate and, and all this stuff. And what I would find when I would go in there was I found some of the most sensitive individuals that you could believe. And what would happen is these guys would create an identity for themselves. And the identity would say, I'm a criminal, I'm a gangbanger, I'm a drug dealer, I'm whatever. And that identity was kind of a protection for them, right? It was it was a form of, of safety in their own minds. And what I would do is we would go in there and we would talk and we would find out where their heart was really at. And a lot of times beyond all the BS, these guys had incredible hearts. They had incredible visions. They had incredible intentions. They really just wanted to do good. But that identity was so strong because of where they grew up or how they grew up. So as we connected with their higher intention, as we connected to their heart these identities would shift. And these men who were typically criminals or just felt like they were drudges on society, they would release a lot of that guilt and that self-hatred because guilt causes self-hatred, which causes negative action, right? Once Mm -hmm. you release the guilt, which is the root of all the the problems, and you kind of get into like a forgiveness mindset, a self-forgiveness mindset, then they were actually able to do the actions that benefit themselves, right? Because at the end of the day, positive habits, like my positive habits, I wake up every day. Some people look at them and they think, oh, that's a hard discipline. You must be, you know, and they look at discipline as this hard thing. It really, all it is, is self-love and action. Like, because if I do these things, if I work out, if I do my positive mental habits, I'm really just proving to myself that I love myself. And if I'm doing negative actions towards myself or others, it's proving to myself that I hate myself. And in the inmates, I saw a lot of people who hated themselves. And if we could shift that to a positive self-identity where they actually love themselves, their habits would change and they would no longer be criminals. And so I did that for about a decade. Um, Of course, COVID kind of shut that down. And because of that, I haven't been able to get back. We've got a huge shortage of uh, police cards right now here in the Denver area. Um, And just like everything else, it seems to be a huge shortage of 
of workers. And so because of that, I've not been able to get back in um, since COVID. And I, I desperately miss it, but I definitely want to go back in as soon as they do open that back up. Yeah, that, that's an amazing thing to do, to reach out to people that society have written off and just, you know, just tell them you're not good enough or whatever for because you committed a crime doesn't right. make you a bad person, you know, so that's kudos to you for doing that. Mm-hmm. So you were able to, you know, get over your, well, not get over, but like work yourself, your way through um, feeling um, a bit better with your sister dying and that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you were able to create a multi-million, multi-millionaire real estate um, mm-hmm. business. So how were you able to transform yourself to be able to make that much money? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, for me, I basically took all of the, the things I learned from the self-help movement. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, Earl Schof, you know, the lineage of that. And and then a lot of a big fan of different spiritualities and different um, <clears throat> teachers throughout the ages. I just soaked all that stuff up. And I, in my early 20s, I spent a lot, a lot of time doing that. But I felt like I wasn't really implementing it. I wasn't putting it into action. I had a lot of peace, but I was just kind of living a very simplistic uh, lifestyle where I wasn't really pushing my limits. And what happened was I got to the point where I go, I want to see if this stuff really works. You know what I mean? Like I've heard all these things. I've heard about manifestation. I've heard about positive thinking. Does this stuff actually work in the real world? I know it works mentally for me. I know I can switch my emotional state, but what about in the real world? Can I actually implement these things? And so what I started doing was writing down my goals, you know, and writing down what did I want my financial goals to be? What did I want my physical goals to be? What did I want my spiritual goals and my relationship goals to be? And I would write those down. And then every day I would look at them. And I did that over the course of about 15 years. And as I've done that, every single goal has gotten really dang close. And not every, I mean, there are there are probably 10% of goals that I have not attained yet. But it, what blows your mind is you will write something down and you think it's way out of bounds. You think it's never going to happen, but you end up manifesting it. <clears throat> and I think the reason why you know, part of it is, is the world itself. I look at it as, as a spiritual world. I think we are in a spiritual world that interacts with our intention, right? So if we put out an intention, I think the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, comes back and tries to put that in our direction. The other part of it is just the way our brains work. And there is a part of our brain called the reticular activating system. Now, this part of our brain is what enables us to see patterns. And an example of this would be if you ever bought a car, say you bought a Tesla, a white Tesla, you are going to see white Teslas everywhere, right? Because you are now looking for the pattern of white Teslas. Now, when we write down my goal, say I wanted in my mind, I said, oh, I wanted such and such amount of real estate and I want it to cash flow this much. And I put that on a piece of paper and I looked at it every day. Well, all of a sudden I will get a message from Crexy or from Zillow or from Redfin, and it will have a piece of property on there where I'm doing the numbers in my head and I go, oh my gosh, I can cash flow this and actually buy this. And that will fit into this intention I had, where if I never wrote down that intention, it would have just, I wouldn't have even stopped to look at it. So writing down your goals, regardless of what you think is possible is so important because those opportunities will arise. And if your mindset is primed by the goal designing, you're going to be able to see those opportunities and take advantage of them. And that's basically how I've been able to do it with the real estate, with my other uh, businesses is 
just continual hard work, continual focus, and continual goal construction. And once a goal is created, then going on to the next, you know, or a goal is maintained or, or, or manifested, then going on to the next goal. Because again, at the end of the day, progress is happiness. We got to be progressing towards something in order to really feel alive in life. Mm, those are great tips. So do you do a visual board or you just put it on a, on a journal? Yes. I do both. So I've got a, a an app on my phone that's got my vision board on my back, um, my back wall screen. And mm. then I, I create a vision board. We do it with friends. We have a vision board party and we do those every like three to six months. Uh, mm. And I just cut out pictures that inspire me. And then I write down my goals there. Um, and what I'll do is I'll write down my long-term and short-term goals. And, you know, sometimes people get, uh, they they get worried because we've always heard about goal setting and there's the acronym SMART goal setting. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what it exactly stands for, but it's basically like realistic goals. There's there's on a timeline, they have to be attainable, blah, blah, blah. And then the, you get the other end of the spectrum where people are like, shoot for the moon, aim for the stars, you know? And uh, those two mindsets actually compete a little bit when it comes to goal setting. What do we do? Do I want to have goals that are extremely ambitious, but then I get let down because I don't attain them? Or do I want to have kind of boring goals that I'm not really excited about. And the way I look at it is you want both. You want to have the the boring uh, goals that are easily attainable, that are realistic, that you can do within the next six months to a year. But then above that, you want to have these goals that will just blow your mind that are like, oh, if, you know, in a perfect world, if I could do this, this is what I would have. And what ends up happening is you start to go, you get the realistic goals but as you get them, you start actually having more confidence in the bigger goals. So I do think it's important to have both the bigger goals and the short-term goals. So I, I do a 10-year goal um, list, and then I even have goals to the age of 100. I really like to think long-term. And so when I am that age, I want to have major goals for that part of my life as well. So um, you know, having all of those different angles, but I, I basically rewrite them every three to six months. And okay. check off the ones that have been completed. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's pretty good. I, yeah. I have I have something like that, but it's uh-huh. called prayer request book. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Instead of, instead of goals, I'm like prayer requests. You know, God. That's a great way to put it. And, type of thing. <laughs> yep. No, hundred percent. And that's a great way to put it because you you offer it up to the higher power and you say. You can help me with this, and and yeah. and and I'll do my part. It's a, it's a great way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the book you co-authored. Um, it's called mm-hmm. The Storytellers. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually co-authored that with a buddy of mine, and he had lost his dad at the same time I had lost my sister, and so this was a, a cathartic project. And the artwork was actually done by my sister. So the the cover on that was um, a a painting that she had drawn. And she went on a mission trip in Haiti, actually. And that was one of the paintings for it. So I designed the story around the boy that she had painted. But the idea of it is this boy is basically lost in life because he is trying to find out his own story. And the thing about our own story is it can totally alter our perception of life, right? If we have a negative story about ourselves, our perception of ourselves is going to be very negative. If we have a positive story about ourselves, even if it's not real, our perception is going to be beautiful. So this orphan, he's actually an orphan and he goes around and he basically starts a journey to figure out what his story is. 
And as he goes and asks different people, they give him what his story is. And one person says, oh my gosh, you're an orphan. That's so sad. You must be so depressed. You didn't have a family and blah, blah, blah. And as he hears that, his whole perception changes and he becomes very sad and he becomes very um, angry and, and everything looks dark and bleak. And then he meets another person who says, oh, that's that's a great life. You can create whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. And, and then he becomes excited, but he's still not satisfied with that because he's listening to somebody else telling his story until he finally meets a man who tells him, you are the storyteller. So he himself has the power to write whatever story it is in his life. Do you have a good life? Do you have a bad life? Is your life meaningful? Is it not meaningful? Are you the hero? Are you the victim? All these different ideas that we just take for granted. And a lot of times they're not even our stories. They're stuff that has been told to us by our parents, by our culture, by our society, by our government. And in reality, our story is so far beyond that. So when people take ownership of their own story and know I am the storyteller, that is when their lives can completely shift. Because nobody, absolutely nobody can tell your story. Only you have the power to tell your own story. Whatever meaning, whatever purpose that has, you are the ultimate creator of that. And not anything can interfere with that once you realize that. And that is true power in my book. And so that's what the book was designed to do, is to give us back our power to tell our own stories, um, to help ourselves in in an emotional, mental way from that perspective. Mm, wow, that's a really good book. I would like to read it for sure. So where can yeah. where can we get the book from? So that's uh, on Amazon. And if you just look up the storyteller under my name, I also, mm-hmm. if you go on my Instagram, which is mental health fitness dad, we have the link uh, to the book right there as well. It's one of the first links on my um, Instagram there. Perfect. So before yeah. we go, any last thing you would like to tell the listeners out there about how they can you know, help themselves from, you know, from depression or suicidal thoughts or traumatic Mm -hmm. past or anything like that? I think number one, just knowing that you can shift it because I myself, you know, I didn't really go into it very much, but I myself had struggled with depression at young age and didn't really know what to do about it. I just kind of thought this was just my plight in life. And once I really started studying these uh, self-help people and different spiritualities and different ideas Uh, it opened up my mind to realize I do have more control than I thought. I do have more self-power than I thought, and I can alter these mental states. So if you're ever in a state where you just feel like it is not like you're never going to be able to get through it, it's you're always going to feel like this. And a lot of times that's one of the the things that depression will do is it'll trick your brain into thinking that it's never going to get better, that your life's never going to get better. Number one, just realize that's total BS. Number two, realize you can change. And even if you don't feel like doing positive habits, do them anyway. Because a lot of times we won't feel like going for a walk. We won't feel like working out. We won't feel like reaching out to a friend. We won't feel like listening to something positive. But if you do it regardless of how you feel, after you're done with that activity, you will feel better. And um, that is that is my number one recommendation is Number one, realize that you are not stuck. There is opportunity for you and you don't have to feel like this the rest of your life. And number two, do the positive activities regardless of how you feel because the outcome could be better than you imagine. Thank you for those tips. Thank you so yeah. much, Joe, for coming on. Absolutely, and, Abby. Yes, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. And 
I love what you're doing and I'm glad I can uh, help a little bit. Thank you. Big, big thank you to our guest for, um, for today. And if you would like to learn more about today's topic, please go on howtosurvivesociety.com. There you can get um, some life skills courses and some merchandise and um, contact me if you would like to be a guest on the show. So thank you so much for tuning in and have yourself a lovely day. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. So if you ever need help to start your own podcast, reach out to me. And then you know what you can do also? You know, you can follow the link in the show notes, in the show notes that lets Buzzsprout know that I sent you so you can get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan and you can also support the show that way. So yeah, so if you're looking to start your own podcast, reach out to me, follow the link under the notes show and you'll be able to sign up and get a $20 Amazon card.